Interested in real estate? How about wealth? Well, they go hand in hand. And here, you'll learn all about it. Welcome to Be The Bank, a podcast where we discuss and debate the topics centered around real estate investing. Your host, Justin Bogard, shares insights into investing in real estate to create real wealth and passive income for you and your family. He'll share stories of real estate investments done right, walk you through the process of owning a real estate note, and most importantly, educate you so you can be the bank. This is Be The Bank, brought to you by American Note Buyers. Now, here's your host, Justin Bogard. Hi, welcome to episode number four. I am your <clears throat> one of your hosts, Justin Bogard, and my other host is Mr. Richard Thornton, who you'll see on in just a minute. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, the travails of setting up a fund, uh, what has happened with the people, the naysayers on the recession that was supposed to happen here soon or the economic downturn. And how was your Valentine's Day? Stay tuned. Travails is my new word, Richard. All right. Are, are you sure you want to talk about Valentine's Day? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I can't, you had led me to believe that you and your significant other, Gita, were going to the beach. Uh, and you're going to have a nice little romantic uh, afternoon at the beach on Valentine's yeah. Day. Did that happen? No. Oh, my God. Richard, <laughs> did you forget? We did not forget. It was it was uh, for our area uh, cold and miserable. It was, uh, it was overcast. The wind was blowing like you know what all around, and we looked at each other and said, "I'm not going out to the beach. Freeze my my tail off." So uh, you know, we did not go. Well, that makes perfect sense. So you had to you had to you had audible there. We we had to uh, you know come to our senses. Yes. Romance was not going to um, blur our vision regarding that. <laughs> so you just put on the big screen and a picture of a beach with the waves crashing, right. and you just sat in front of it and said, yeah, this is much better. Actually, we got in the hot tub, and that was kind of nice. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. interesting. Okay. That's well, a this is, Northern this California is, thing, right? It's hot tubs, right? This is PG. We got to leave, leave it at that. Well, you know, I didn't go there. I didn't go there. <laughs> Richard, that is awesome. So my daughter's got some candy and mm -hmm. some stuffed animals. Um, I haven't done flowers for them yet. Mm -hmm. Number one, because they're transitioning between me and their mom's house, you know, every other week and stuff. So um, I didn't think flowers would would be that good because there's no really continuity for them to stay. But when they get older, I think I'll do flowers more. Mm -hmm. But right now, you know, they, they want the candy and the stuffed animals. They They love that stuff. Yeah, I, you know, my my kids never, my, especially my daughter, never was much one for flowers. It didn't work quite so much. But what really worked, and and uh, what I read a very interesting article in the paper about this last week, yeah, was the little uh, heart candies. The, they say "Be mine" and yeah. "Love is yours" and all those yeah. things. And uh, you know, there's a whole science behind that, sort of like fortune cookies about what to okay. put on there and. And it's it's worse than a worse than a tweet. You don't have 140 characters. You've got about 15 characters. It's true. And so you've got to get your your point out there very directly. There's none of this uh, long conversation stuff. And so, you know, be mine or it. You know, 
<laughs> love L-U-V. So that's L-O-V, right. And even yeah. abbreviate it so quickly. That's right. So that's right. So we could we could uh, do a takeoff of, of like what we do with uh, text messages, right? Rather than, yeah. than writing out C-U, we can just put the letter C in U and then. You know, or I heart you. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. How do you it's, do a heart? That's for you, Richard. Is that, is that the heart? That's there right. That's right. Mm-hmm. All right. So we are not in a recession, are we? Last time I looked, no. As a matter of fact, I think um, uh, the uh, uh, economy is saying nanny, nanny, boo-boo, we fooled you to a lot of the pundits because uh, the uh, Fed was going in and tightening down things and you know, trying to drive us not into a recession but slow us down as much as we can. And I was reading um, just yesterday, and mm-hmm. uh, employment's at 3.6, one of the lowest uh, that it has ever been at. Um, and they are now calling um, the great resignation the great reshuffling. <laughs> in, in, in that uh, a lot of people, you know, they said, well, it's not that a lot of people resigned during the covid um, they had time to reassess. And to use a, a good example from my neighbor, who is a restaurant owner, his uh, executive chef quit. And since restaurants were closed for the first part of COVID, um, I say he quit, he, he you know, quit post-COVID, um, but he didn't come back into the profession because he had time to sign up for one of these computer co- uh, coding classes for a year and is now making three times the money that he would have uh, being a chef. And he's only working eight-hour days as opposed to 15-hour days. And there's a whole lot of that reshuffling going on. Yeah. That's very interesting. It's very interesting. So we're not in a recession. <clears throat> Real estate seems to be doing pr- pretty pretty normal. Yes. Nothing, nothing major flopping in the worst direction or gaining in the super appreciation uh, right now. That's right. So a lot of people looked at 23 and 24 being kind of a, probably going to be a down year to expect it. I don't know what I thought at the time when that information came out. Maybe I saw that in late 22 or maybe early 22 or I'm sorry, late 21, early 22 when I saw some information come out from people that I respect and, and know in the business um, because that's the information they had in front of them that, that day. And right. said their projection was like, yeah, it's probably not going to look that good. Let, but they're, it, you're a weatherman at that point, aren't you, Richard? Uh, you are. You are a weatherman. And uh, to, I mean, it, so to your point, uh, as you know, we're, we're raising monies for the, the fund right now. Yep. Um, I had several people uh, say, look, you know, we're coming into a, a, a slowdown, some sort of recession here. I'm going to sell now. And Richard, I'd like to take the proceeds of all that and put it into your fund. Well, I talked to a guy just yesterday from your area. He says, you know, I got 15 um, houses that I'm renting out. And he said, my rents haven't fallen. Matter of fact, I raised my rents a little bit. And my housing prices have dropped maybe a little bit, but not much. And he says, I'm going to hold on. Um, Makes it a little bit tough for us raising money. But uh, I'm glad for him because there's a lot of people, I think, that are in that same boat where prices did accelerate exceedingly. Yeah. You, you and I found this out um, when our, we're trying to uh, generate uh, privately held notes where 
I thought a lot of this run-up was just due to San Francisco and maybe in Indianapolis and larger metropolitan areas. We found out that it was in Podunk, America. I mean, yeah. you know, Luluville in the middle of Kentucky is all you know they've got thirty percent increases in their their uh, housing values, so they're going to hold on to them. Why? Why not? Why not? Yeah. Why not? It makes sense, right? I think so. I think so. <clears throat> Travails. Travails. Yes, we've having there are travails out there. Richard teaches me these words and then I start using them and I probably use them incorrectly, but I just like how he comes up with these words. Sometimes I really think they're made up mm. and I have to challenge him. What's mm. that game that you can challenge people on a word? Um, is it Scrabble where uh, people so make words and then you can, right. and then they say like, Oh, this, this, you know, I can't even think of a, an odd word. Mm-hmm. Something that comes out of your mouth, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I have to start using. So Richard told me about travails yeah. uh, just before we got on the recording. And so I just had to start using it. So to make myself sound more intelligent. There. You know, you learn things about your significant others about things like that. <laughs> yeah. Not that you're my significant other, but no, so, no. sometimes it feels like it. No, no, I, yeah, let's, let's, not, let's not go there. Business partners. <laughs> Anyway, I'm your significant business partner. <laughs> that's right. You're my significant business partner. I used to have this woman that I ran a company with, and she was, we were, we were, we said we had a business marriage because we were, you know, you, you bicker and you do everything. It's like you do in a marriage, but it's just for business. Anyway, uh, Gita, as you have mentioned, my, my significant other, uh, loved playing Scrabble with me. Okay. When, when we first uh, became a couple. And the more I played, the better I got. The better I got, the more I started to win. Now she won't play with me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds she said, like she said, I had a good time playing as long as I was winning, but I can't win anymore. <laughs> it sounds like I need to help her out and, and challenge challenge you on um some of the words that you come across. No. <laughs> I may have to team up with her against you. May have to, yeah. <laughs> That's funny, Richard. We we brought the word travails, and we had a good good time uh, poking fun at that word a little bit. And so I appreciate you you being humorous with us there. But when it comes to setting up a fund, there are many people in real estate, whether they're in the note business or traditional real estate, they think that's what they should be doing. And it does make sense at a certain point to have a fund, right? And it's in it. It doesn't at a certain point as well. So if you're just starting out in the business, it's apparent you shouldn't set up a fund because you really haven't experienced all the trials and tribulations of the real estate investing that you're doing. <clears throat> but there does come a point to where you you have that 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 pivot, right? To where you're like, okay, I do really well. I raise some private money. I do one-to-one deals with people. But starting to become more um, apparent that I need more, more money. Right. And I'm, I'm coming across more deals than I am money. So it's like, do I continue to find the one-to-one relationship partner with match a deal with a partner? Or do I start raising a bunch of money now and don't worry about the one-to-one partnership and just have a, a a big surplus of savings, let's just say, and go after these deals. So uh, that's kind of step one for me. Is, Is that how you see, see it happening? Yeah, I think that's the that's the allure. Um, Ooh, I, I actually know that word. That's another word. How about that? Um, 
I think that's the you know the sparkle that a lot of people have in their eyes. They have to, as a matter of fact, there's somebody that you and I both know right now, and they're talking about setting up a $20 million fund. And I don't think they're are quite balancing out um, how they're going to do that, how they're going to get from point A to point B, because uh, it's a lot more difficult than you would think. That's sort of what it comes down to. And it's yeah. not it's not necessarily the big stuff. You can get a lawyer to to draft your documents and all that stuff. But what's what? Tell me one of the things in setting up our fund. What? Give me two or three things that you have found to be uh, much more difficult than you thought. Well, I think it's the the how it works, the the functionality of it, the the triggering one event to cause another event to happen, understanding from the investor standpoint, someone that's pledging capital because they're pledging their hard-earned money and trusting that the process is going to work and what they're investing in is going to be, you know, a sound fund that's, you know, very secure. It's low risk to them if that's the type of fund that they invested in and to make sure that they get their return. So there's there's a whole operational flowchart diagram of how this works, even at a simp- at the simplest level of a fund, uh, because you don't want to look like an amateur when you do this, right? You want to look like a professional. You want to have it set up correctly. Obviously, you mentioned using an attorney. That's that, that's the easy part, right? You hire an attorney, say, draft my documents. You read the documents. It's very lengthy, but you need to read the documents and understand what you're doing. But then setting it up operationally, it can be challenging because you have to kind of figure out, oh, I never thought about this because I have to have a reporting process, right? When I give distributions to investors, I have to you know, think about, okay, I need to manage this money in a certain way because there's a cost of doing business for us as the fund manager. And then there's, you know, inventory that we have to go after or assets that we have to go after to make sure that we meet a certain threshold price point so that we can pay the debt service and also make a little bit of money as well. So that's, those things are a little bit more complex and everybody's situation is unique for a fund manager. Uh, but that will be the first first thing to, to come across my mind, Richard, when you asked that question was just the operational foundation of how the structure works internally. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, in our in our fund, Justin runs more of the operations and I run more of the marketing. I've got a bigger mouth, so you know, I can do it nothing. You got fancier uh, words, that's for yeah, sure. Fancier words, right. Allure, travails. Allure, that's right. Just a, tra- uh, just a bigger <laughs> mouth. At any rate, um, and so one of the things that I think we immediately thought of on your side and was very obvious and simple to talk about, but then how do you get into implementation yes. um, of putting it together is, is that when we set up the website, first of all, we had to have two websites. We wanted to have an investor website and a seller website. Yeah. And they had to have very different, um, they had to be positioned very differently because we want a seller to go on and say, all right, uh, here's my website. I want to get my information in there because I want to quote, bam, bam, bam. And you're not, you know, trying to uh, talk that person into investing or anything. They may be an investor, but by the, for the most part, um, they want to get in, get their quote, know what we're going to do and, and, and move on. So how do we implement that? Well, as you know, we set up um, input on the website. Yeah. That data has to feed into the CRM. It also has to feed into the loan servicing management. And all, all these things have to be all wound together. Um, easier said than done. Yeah. There's no manual for it, right? 
it's it's kind of you have to walk through it in your mind. You have to set up, you know, like I mentioned before, some sort of flow chart or some sort of diagram that just kind of tells you, okay, this is step one. How do you get an investor, right? Where right. do you find the product that we're buying with the investor's money? Um, <clears throat> so we kind of have two clients, right? We have an investor client, and like you mentioned, we have a seller client. So mm-hmm. we're, we need to have um, we need to appeal marketing to two different types of individuals, two types of investors, two types of LLCs, what, whatever whatever the case may be. And then we have to go find the the product as well. <clears throat> then we have to manage it all too. So it, it becomes it becomes a complex machine, and it I don't see how it can be done as an individual yourself, if you're doing a very small capital raise, I can see it being very easily managed. Like let's just say um, a half a million dollars and under that's, if you can set up a fund of that size, which I'm not sure if you can, but if you could, that would be easy to manage because you probably don't have a lot of investors and don't have a lot of inventory to manage. Okay. That's, that can be a one-stop shop type of person. Right. Uh, But when you get over the seven figure threshold, you can get quite, quite a bit, of inventory with that, you know, I, I'd venture to say you can probably easily get 50 loans um, with a million dollars. Right. And, and you want to be like with a lot of ventures, you want to set it up correctly from the start. I mean, our whole idea is to do volume, right? I mean, our eventual goal is to buy portfolios. Okay. In doing so, you don't want to have this cumbersome onesie twosie system where I'm not sure if you're putting in data or I'm putting in data. Uh, you have to have it very set and rote and do it one specific way and have it all be smoothly or else it's going to come down around your knees and you're going to forget that you didn't pay Bill or Sally or Harry or, yeah. or whatever. Um, you know, and if you're doing partials like we are and and not, there's just a lot of moving parts. There is. And you can't shortcut anything. It, it needs to be done correctly. And in today's environment, it's instantaneous communication is crucial. And also having a system with a lot of really good processes in between there so that you have great quality control checks that you don't have to have a ton of human interaction. You can have human checkpoints right throughout the process, but if you can automate more things and you can have things more streamlined and very clear as to what the next step is, it makes it really easy to get through deals one time as opposed to making mistakes and going back and fixing things. So luckily with our experience with just buying notes ourselves and selling them, we have a lot of processes in place. It's just adding the component and the complexity of a fund on top of that to make sure that you're compliant and we're going uh, along with what the rules and regulations are with, which is the, the PPM and the operating sure. agreement. Plus, you want to make sure that other people can help you. So as we found out yeah. with our email system, we've got to design it not just for Richard and Justin. We've got to have it so somebody who's helping us, one of the staff people that we now have, um, can dip into some email account and do what they need to do and find out where we are. And if they leave, we can pick up where they left off yeah. and all yeah. Different things. yeah, it's, it's running the business and running it efficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's what separates uh, some of the funds being really successful than the others, you know, at the, if you're looking at it from outside the tower, <clears throat> you know, everything looks nice. The building looks like nice and shiny, but when you go inside, you know, the building and you just see, like, I just imagine going to the, um, uh, the the stock room, the stockholders floor room, you know, there where they're, they're trading stocks all the time and everything's going crazy and everyone's on the phone yelling and screaming and waving their ticket in the air. 
Like it can be that crazy inside of an operation, but you can't tell from the outside. But um, having a very smooth process, a very good operation, a very clean, clear set of instructions that people are following and you have good deliverables and receivables, uh, it, it makes the fund a lot easier to manage. And number one, and then number two, to be profitable. Right. And I mean, one thing, so so let's not be just totally dismal about this. Let's talk about some upsides. The wonderful upsides is obviously you're not tied to a single asset. So right. we, we can raise $300,000 from one investor and it goes into the general pool. They have a diversified fund uh, and, and set of loans that uh, they have as security. Uh, and we can trade them in and out. We can say to them, look, you don't have to have a 10-year yeah. hold period. You can be a minimum of two. And we can trade you in and out there. I mean, it's just once you get it up and running well, it is it is a wonderful tool. Yeah, from, from the outside, an, an investor's standpoint or even a seller's standpoint to sell us inventory, it's it's really simple. Okay, the investor puts in money. They agree to sign the paperwork. They understand what the paperwork says, and they basically get paid out on an ongoing basis um, as they're supposed to be paid. It's, it's very simple and clean that way. And then we try we try to make it that way. If you make it too complex and you have a lot of different preferred returns and you have a waterfall effect and if this, then that type of stuff, maybe it may, may be a little bit more lucrative for somebody in the long run, but it's extremely complex and it has a ton of oversight on it. So that's not the first series of funds we wanted to do. We wanted to make a more simple, clean, easy to follow fund and then kind of build on top of that to the next fund. That'll be, a, um, you know, maybe two or three times larger than the current one. And then just kind of go from there until we graduate to a, a very large fund. Right. Right. And that's the goal. And and I really think from the way we're starting, um, we're doing it as right as we can in terms of getting our systems in place. And even if we have to swap out, I mean, I see us going to a, you know, a much larger uh, database at some, po- some point, a sales force or something like that. But even using two or three uh, and melding them together the way we're doing now, we could still do quite a volume. I think we could, we could probably do, and I'm just pulling, I'm just guessing on this. We, we could probably easily do 50 million, maybe 70 million with our systems, the way we're currently setting them up and not, yeah. not be too strange. Yeah. We definitely didn't want to chew off more than, than we can handle. Right. And so we start off with something manageable. That's why our fund size is a, is a $10 million fund. So we feel like that's on the, the very low side of things on what we can do. And we just wanted to, to, meet expectations and get through this. And we know the next time that we do a fund, we, we can make it much larger than what the current one is. And uh, we can also get feedback from our investors on their experience as well and, and move into the next one. Right. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's been a real um, learning experience. Uh, I think overall it's been a good learning experience and, and would, I would certainly do it again. <clears throat> we sort of wanted to talk about this a little bit today because I think the market is ripe. I, I've talked to several different uh, yep. people in the note space who are you know, hot to have a fund. And that's great. You should do it when the market conditions are right. And I do think that the market conditions are right. But it's a little bit um, caveat emptor, you know, buyer beware when uh, when you get into it. It is. And it's just like any other business or tradesperson. Um I think of them often as to where they're, uh, you know, the term like you're, they're a glorified 
X, you know, <clears throat> they're just a glorified person in that position, meaning they do the task extremely well or the mm -hmm. craft or the trade or the service, mm -hmm. but they don't have the business skills to run a really good business. So that's why they only go so far in with their business mm -hmm. um, until they can take on a partner that can help them get to the next level, or they can get the knowledge and the training and the mentorship from somebody. And I, I think those two things need to go hand in hand, especially with a fund. You need to know the craft number one, right. <laughs> and then you need to know how to run a business number two. And I don't see how you can do it by yourself at a, at a very high success rate without having either many partners or many mentors on a consistent basis that are helping you graduate, you know, to the next level, to the next level, to the next level, to make sure that you have a good running business because it doesn't work by yourself. No, it doesn't work by yourself. And, you know, there's a little bit of a metaphor there. So I was, um, I taught at one of the local universities here for a while. I, I taught um, Professor Thornton, Professor Thornton, if you can believe right. it. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, I never really liked it when people called me professor. I'm going, well, you know, now I have to say it. Yeah, now you have to. Anyway, I was teaching master's level finance, and I had a lot of fun doing it because we had a lot of people who were in finance for utility companies and things like that, and you could uh, always uh, learn a lot from them and their mm -hmm. experience. But as I was doing the lectures and lesson plans and all this, I was always I always found it very interesting um, at how much I had to know that was outside of exactly what I was teaching. Okay. By what I meant there was so much peripheral information that I had to know to be able to make um, uh, the, the class uh, come alive, the lecture to come alive, um, that you would think would have nothing to do with finance. <laughs> but nevertheless, it, it did. It's, you know, it's... Uh, it's just interesting sometimes. This is very much the same way. There's just a lot of a lot of things you got to know that it was really not core to the business at all. Right. All right, Richard. I think I think we we beat this drum pretty well today. So this was a great mm -hmm. conversation. So I appreciate you being on today and taking the time to do this with me. Mm -hmm. And um, this is episode number four. We are American Note Buyers. This episode and this brought uh, this podcast is brought to you by American Note Buyers. And we will see you guys on the next one. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Be The Bank. We hope you learned something from today's show. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us. Plus, check out our channel on YouTube and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Be The Bank and on Instagram at Be The Bank Podcast. Be The Bank is sponsored by American Note Buyers. Thanks again for listening.